As we discussed in our first episode of Extra Issues, Watchmen has had an indelible effect on comics and culture in the 30 years since its release. In 2019, Kieran Gillen, Caspin Wingard, Mary Safro, and Hassan Otsman Elhow craft an homage to Watchmen while also blasting a rallying cry for comics to break out of the formalist shadow cast by this monumental work. Does this comic craft a strong argument for the future of the medium, or has it chosen too unassailable of a topic? Find out this month on Extra Issues. Welcome to Extra Issues, the comic book reading club podcast where we choose a theme and read through a selection of comics that explore that theme. Our current theme is superhero subversions and this month we are discussing Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. I'm Charlotte and I'm only French so readers understand my character is an alt-universe version of Batroc the Leaper. And I'm joined today <laughs> by two people. One of them comes straight from a universe where comics were a completely foreign concept and he liked it better that way. It's my co-host Zach Dean. Hi Zach. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm trapped in this universe, desperately trying to get back to one where uh, only film, uh, cinema as I call it, exists. Uh, the only true art form. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And we're also joined by a very special guest who has been using 90% of his brain power on his work as a letterer, including for Peter Cannon, as a comic book analyst on his incredible YouTube channel, Street Panel Naked, and as the editor of the Eisner-winning magazine Panel by Panel, it's Hassan Otsman el How's it going, Hassan? Yeah, good. I was really worried you were going to set me up for uh, like a like a gag, and I, I had no idea. <laughs> it's I was so like, stressful. I was so, I was so worried that whole intro. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean that, to to start the, the the episode on such a stressful note. <laughs> that's the secret of this podcast: is that uh, it, it it's like a. Trying to set each other up with yes and improv moments, but the the secret is none of us are actually very good at that. Yes. <laughs> That's so, what I'm so uh, worried about. And then the how's it going mm-hmm. was just a real a real softball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so thank you, thank you for coming onto the the podcast, uh, Hass. We really we really appreciate it. And like Charlotte said, um, you're uh, the the editor of Panel by Panel, Strip Panel Naked, the YouTube channel. I wish I've been huge fans of. I've talked about it in my Marvels here a couple times. Um, so I just. Uh, encourage anybody who's into comic criticism to go check out both of those because I think it's the best in the game. Um, but then Thank your you. uh, your probably your day job then is comic lettering uh, mm-hmm. and um, working on Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. We're so happy to have someone who actually worked on this comic here on the show, which is very exciting. Um, what uh, can you get into a little of the process of what it's like working specifically with uh, Gillen on this this comic? Do you, do you remember? It's been a, it's been a while. <laughs> it's yeah. I was trying to remember when it when it was. I lived in a motorhome at the time because uh, me and my uh, uh, now wife had sort of like sold everything mm-hmm. uh, that we owned and we moved into a motorhome. And I was this was one of the I was working while we were traveling in this motorhome. And this was one of the books that was in that time period. So the whole that whole period of like two years is a bit of a mush in the brain. So I was trying to figure out like. <laughs> where I was or what we were doing, but I can't remember really. But yeah, it was, um, I mean, get up and I was like a huge fan of, of Kieran before we'd worked together. Um, 
And I don't know if I'd like tricked him into writing anything for panel by panel magazine before that stage or not, (laughs) or if I used that chance of getting his email to trick him into writing things post that. But um, it was good. Like like his scripts are obviously, um, I mean, uh, if you've read a Kieran Gillen comic, you'll know, like his scripts is like, you can tell that he's, there's a lot of process and thought has gone into um, kind of the designs for pages and things like that. Um, And so when you're reading it, it like it, it, it kind of it's a the script is a really fun thing to read because it's not just like panel one this happens panel two it's like you can it's Gillen's like all the way through the script and it's a really fun uh, and interesting thing as a document to read anyway um, but also just as you're working on it you kind of like you're responding and you're seeing the things that he's doing in it uh, which is really really good fun um, it's just a lot of fun I remember it being a lot of fun. Uh, and especially like the stuff that we did on like, but well, I'm sure we'll talk about like we, when we got to like issue five and we kind of did like the Alec throwback uh, reference yeah. homage thing and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of fun little bits and pieces in there. Um, it was a lot of fun to work on. It was really stressful, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, reading it, paying extra attention to the lettering more than maybe I, I generally do uh, <laughs> reading these comics, which is, you know, a fault of my uh, my critical lens. But uh, because I knew you were going to be on it, I was looking at issue <laughs> Four, I think, and being like, oh, well, this looks fun to work, right? Like, this looks like an interesting challenge in the middle of this comic. And then especially five, when you start getting the <clears throat> kind of dueling, um, like, font types uh, yeah. against each other. Uh, One of them was... isn't a font. One of them is I just hurt myself a lot by trying to hand letter that entire issue. <laughs> really? Well, that was all, that was all hand lettered? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was not not worth it financially uh, <laughs> at all, at, in oh, any man. way, shape, or form. But well, it was... I, I... It I think had it to pays be, like, I think it had to be done, yeah. yeah. It pays off uh, with the, the end product, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, was <laughs> was that was that something that came down from Gillen? Is that right in the script, right? Like, shift the, the style of lettering to something, you know, scratchier and handwritten? Well, did, it was did, like, uh, we, yeah, we got, I think Kieran had bought all of us a copy of um, uh, Alec, um, the, is it the Years Have Pants? I'm just looking for it on my shelf. And it's like yeah, the I big, I, thick um, Eddie Campbell. Yeah. It's like these, these comics Eddie Campbell did, I think I want to say in the 80s. Um, this is really bad. I should have much more of this knowledge. Uh, but Kieran bought us this, bought everyone that works in that book, a, a, the kind of like the big collection of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that issue, uh, is it issue f- four, five? five issue four. 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 Issue four, like that issue is like yeah. the Eddie Campbell issue. That's the Alec mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. So okay, we're, what okay. we're doing there is like we're referencing very specifically this thing, and so like the lettering style of that is, it's not like it's exactly uh, <laughs> Eddie Campbell's Alec, but it's mm-hmm. like as close as I could get on a deadline. That, <laughs> that's own, a really interesting with my own I, handwriting. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with that comic at all. I, I haven't heard of that comic, so yeah. I, I was pulling from other touchstones of you know the. The 90s, he, in that issue specifically, um, when canon lands in this other universe and it, you know, becomes black and white and more mm-hmm. indie style, um, he mentions that it's 1993. And so I, I immediately went to Strangers in Paradise. Um, All right, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I assumed it was a direct Strangers in Paradise reference. Well, I mean, there is literally <laughs> the, is it the first page where he lands and there's like the guy that sees him, Danny, mm-hmm. maybe? Uh, that, I mean, that's basically like a page from... I don't know if it, I can't remember exactly if it was literally like a full homage of a page from Alec, but it's if not, it's like very very close. Hmm, like I okay. think that scene is in uh, is in Eddie Campbell's Alec, hmm, okay. um, and like the whole nine panel grid thing and everything like that. Like that was all in, that was all through. I think which was a, a kind of a point to being like you know pre Watchmen, 
people were doing the night. It wasn't just Watchmen that like made up the mm-hmm. nine panel grid. Sure. Like Eddie Campbell right. was kind of doing that sort of stuff in these indie comics and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's... it's literally. I, I wish I had the reference, but I think it is literally like the page where he lands and there's like a yeah. guy comes over yeah, and spots and him. It's like a field. page. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like lifted from Alec. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's something I'll have to should check out. Yeah, um, I mean, like, yeah, the, the comic definitely puts uh, Alec on my number, like, very high on my list of uh, of comics to read next. Like, the the reference not only to Alec but like all the comics, mainly Watchmen and, and Alec that are referenced here, like, makes me makes you want to read or reread them too, and then go back to 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 Peter Cannon to to get get all the references and all the the games uh, Gillen and and all the the team is is playing with. Yeah, I mean, I had the script, and I don't think I I know like yeah. more than ten percent of what of what Kieran was like referencing and putting in there. Uh, like, I think he was working on a different level than everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I I <laughs> I feel like I, I I had a big comparison between this and his work on um, uh, fun, Funogram. Um, do I have that? Oh yeah, yeah, Funogram. Yeah, yeah. In uh, in like that all the the references to to British music scene that I don't get at all, and even though I really like the comic, like I feel very lost for most of the time. And he was like, "Oh, it's about comics. Finally, I think I know. I get those references <laughs> for the most part." But yeah, like, it, it was very. I think it was fun in a way that uh, Funogram must be fun for people who love uh, that music stuff. Which was, yeah, mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, I guess so. That that's that can segue into my first like discussion question here. He, he there's a at the back of the the special edition here you get the actual pitch document where um kieran writes out the you know the idea for the comic and he says something about how thunderbolt the the villain of this comic um is like a comic creator picking over the bones of watchmen for the last 32 years um and compares like comic creators uh following too closely to the sacred scrolls right that's that's something in here that um both peter cannon and thunderbolt have these sacred scrolls that they adhere to um and it's this like formalist power nine panel grid is tied really into this uh and then that keeps that puts them in a box i think um literally towards the end canon says to thunderbolt um that he's what, what does he say he says he's in a in a prison uh f- formally like you oh to do what you have to do to do what you do you have to stay here this perfection is a prison um I guess uh, one of the the questions we talked about Watchmen and Alex, which are Alec, Alex. Alex? I, I'm not familiar with this comic. Alex. Alex. Yeah. 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 I could, seemingly a huge touchstone that I'm I'm totally familiar with a blind spot for me, but it seems like those are the big main references here. Um, there's probably there's there's a few others with the creation of the characters, but do we think is this largely is this a critique of Watchmen? Is it an homage to Watchmen? Is it just a critique or to, of how comic creators have responded to and like have emulated Watchmen. I, I guess something that I, I walked away being slightly lost on is what it, what is the thesis statement of this comic? I guess what, what's its relationship with Watchmen? Um, because Watchmen is, is so integrated into this. It is not just a little wink here or there. There is, you know, at least every issue has one or two really blatant uh you know if not visual references then just line quotings or um pulling it a line so what do we what do we think like its relationship to watchmen is charlotte do you want to do you want to go first yeah i think to me it's not a book about watchmen at all at least not about watchmen the comic but it's a book about the place of watchmen in in comics in general or at least american comics in general and specifically superhero comics um and it like it's it, it visually references Watchmen a lot uh, like 
in a way that sometimes feel too obvious to me. Like I like it best when it's a bit more sub subtle about it. Like for example, the there's a character that's supposed to be the the Rorschach analog, and when he he's killed, like he's killed in the exact same way as Rorschach. With that was fine, but then the big blood splatter behind him is a a, a Rorschach uh, figure page, uh, which like at least to me was a bit more bit too obvious of a, of the reference. But like honestly, that's probably my my only big criticism of uh, of that title Watchmen because I think I think what's really smart about it it's, it doesn't it's not just reference to Watchmen, but it's reference to Watchmen, understanding that Watchmen itself is in the continuity of previous iterations, including the the Charlton Comics characters, which uh, influenced uh, the the main characters of Watchmen. Like every main character of Watchmen is a new version of, or like inspired by a a, a Charlton Comics character, including Osmandias, who is the the Watchmen version of the original Peter Cannon. Um, who, if you don't, I don't know if you, we said yet, but Peter Cannon was created. There was a character that was created in the fifties or sixties, I think, um, for Charlton Comics. And when DC bought it, uh, it was used by Alan Moore, at least in a new version for for the character of Ozymandias in Watchmen. Um, and so yeah, it's like it understands that Watchmen is in continuity, and I, I guess maybe that's the the central statement is that Watchmen's great, but it's not. It shouldn't be the center piece around every comic at least superhero comics afterwards sent uh, like gravitates around uh like everything should be shouldn't be defined by the watchman legacy um yeah i guess that that's that's what it is about it's about the watchman legacy and not watchman itself as a comic i don't think gillen is trying to to like criticize watchman itself here and and do something better than watchman uh, it's like it's trying to say you don't have to try and be better than Watchmen. You just have to, to keep going and do something different and new. He does say, he says in his pitch document something about uh, comics being stuck in uh, adhering to any kind of formal dogma um, is, is what he, you know, is really rallying against. And he doesn't, you know, people who say comics need to be lighthearted, superhero comics need to be lighthearted, or they need to be dark, are, you know, just putting themselves in a box. What he just wants is new. Right, he just wants the yeah. the medium to to evolve. So, uh, Hass, what what do you think about its relationship with Watchmen? I'll preface this by saying, like, I I don't, I can't remember enough of the conversations that we had when we started the book mm-hmm. to be like, this is what we were doing. Yeah. But I can I can give you like what I think about it, having a like you know worked on it and also reread it. But mm-hmm. I can't I, I kind of wish that I, I'm a I'm glad that I don't really remember because I think it helps just to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm also a little bit annoyed that I can't remember the conversations that we had because because <laughs> then I, I would have sounded really really smart. Um, <laughs> but I think I think uh, I mean Charlotte I think Charlotte's got it. Because that's how I, I mean that's how I feel about it as well. I think it's it's not a, a criticism of Watchmen so much as it is about everyone thinking like the only way to do like a serious superhero comic is just to do whatever Watchmen did, um, and kind of just lock everything into nine panels and do these clever kind of visual symmetry things and uh, you know connecting the connecting the captions in clever ways over the text and, uh, over the visuals and stuff like that. Like the the only way to do kind of like good superhero stuff. Um, is to kind of do it just to mimic what Alan Moore did, and like that's like that's the highest we'll ever go. 
uh, is yeah. this thing that was made like 30 years ago, the 40 years, well, however many years the 80s were <laughs> from now. But, uh, you know, that to say like we, we did it in 85, whatever it was, and then like everything else, the best we can really now ever do is just do that again. Like I think that's... Uh, I think that's kind of like that's always what it feels like what it, what it felt like to me as well at the time was like if are we really just saying that this is it like we've ma- we've we kind of completed the medium of com- superhero comics already um and I think that's also kind of like the Alec thing is like kind of saying like there are other references and like Watchmen or what kind of what Watchmen did was just look at other comics like Watchmen is just taking stuff from other material that came before it too and so to say that Watchmen was necessarily reinventing the wheel is uh, slightly a slightly skewed version of history because what like what Alan Moore was doing was looking at these other comics that maybe you know people weren't necessarily as familiar with, um, and looking what they were doing about reinventing or, or kind of being clever with the format. Um, and now all we do now is we look at Watchmen and we just go, let's just do that. And it's it's a shame that we like kind of boxed ourselves, uh, as you were saying, Zach, in the quote. It's like a sh- same shame that we kind of box ourselves as, as creators and being like, this is really all we can ever achieve. Um, so w- when you read something like like Tom King's Mr. Miracle, that is mm-hmm. clearly like taking the nine panel grid. And it's it's yeah. really, you know, it, it's, it's emulating that very intentionally. Mm-hmm. But I think also evolving it, right? I think having a new relationship with it. Do you think that is, you know, the, the problem that Gillen is talking about here? Or is that... The same thing that Alan Moore was doing where he's taking, you know, Jack Kirby's nine panel grid and then evolving and taking new steps with it and taking it in a new direction. Well, I think I think that's the other I think that's the other facet of it is like I think there is a criticism of Watchmen in it, which is that when you have something that's so um you know, like when you watch like a film or something and it's so controlled like a Fincher film and it's like so controlled and calculated that sometimes it can be difficult. To, to kind of like emotionally latch onto it, I've just mm-hmm. I've just had a go Nolan. Fincher films. I feel, I feel <laughs> That's like not no, what I meant, Nolan like, and Fincher are both the same yeah. for me. Yeah. On that and sometimes sometimes yeah. it's so cold and calculating, and so yeah. and like and so <clears throat> controlled that it's diff- You can't. It, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it has. Uh, I feel, really feel because I love Fincher. I feel really bad for putting that label on him. But <laughs> no, the, but I, it's I like know it's, what you mean. Yeah. it's hard to get the heart of it, and I think that's kind of. I think there is a comment on that with the relationship that Canon has in this book. Um, is that like something that Watchmen lacked, which is which which I think I agree with, which is it's it's very cold. It's a very cold book, and even the sen- even like I guess the main relationship between um, uh, it, I can't remember anyone. I've got the worst memory between <laughs> Dan Spectre and and thank Night you. Owl, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, between those two is not it, it's like that's like Moore's big emotional <laughs> thing, and even that's super cold. Like it's a very cold. It doesn't. I don't think people walk away from that being like, oh, I was like super attached to their relationship, and I think that's a big thing. That when I think also Gillen saying that when you control everything so tightly, that you can lose some of the heart and the emotion of it. And like, what is you know what is storytelling if not if not heart and emotion and, and falling in love with a world and characters and stuff like that. And I think I think if there was a criticism of Watchmen in there from my perspective, I think that's probably what it is. It's too cold, too calculating, the cold formalism. Yeah. And the Tom King thing, I think Mr. Miracle kind of tries to avoid that because there is, that's all about like uh, his emotion, his emotional state. And, his, and that his core relationship state. between. Yeah. So I think that's all wife. that he's, he's kind of doing something. Uh, I think that probably falls away from the, what Gillen's talking about in this respect. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the two. So if there is a criticism of Watchmen, it's probably that. I think that's really interesting 
not just I mean that idea not just in about Watchmen itself but about the what people have taken from Watchmen because I feel like a lot of the conversation about Watchmen is about the like the quote unquote superhero characters and like it could be debated whether they're really they can they can really be described as superheroes or not but like it forgets the whole part about the very human characters that don't have superhero secret identities or anything like the the guy who sells the newspapers or the Rorschach's therapist and those characters that like have that emotional and human very human core uh, in Watchmen and that like I feel like in in Peter Ken and Thunderbolts like the closest equivalent to them is the 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 Cloud Crowd and the the Alec uh, the the Alec uh, play uh, in in issue four um, mm. and yes yeah, so I. I to me, it works on both because I think I, I see what you're saying about the the perfect formalistic nature of uh, Watchmen can feel a little cold. But I do feel like Zach and I read Watchmen well, two months ago for the first episode of this podcast, yeah. and I think we we both came out of it thinking that there there was actually a very uh, a, a heart to it that we we really enjoyed and like it was a very human story uh, in a way that like maybe maybe people don't talk about at least not first like that's not the main thing people yeah. have remembered from yeah. it yeah yeah mm-hmm. totally I, I think that's that's like more like like that can ring true to me the the like the criticism of watchmen as being a little like formally cold uh doesn't ring true to me having just read it again because i felt that as being a very like impassioned book i felt that mm-hmm. especially like in its human characters but even in some of the superheroes right like there's a real vein of humanity in all of them and i, I really feel like alan moore's humanity through that book and it's ironic because i kind of feel the opposite of gillen here <laughs> a little bit like i do feel like gillen is a little tightly structured and a little like careful enough that i can't get quite as invested in these people because i see the ideas first and the people second um which is the opposite mm-hmm. of what i was feeling with watchmen so but that's you know that's just my my takeaway from this but um yeah yeah i agree but i do agree with the idea that the like how watchmen has been viewed and responded to over the decades since is that kind of like it's about superheroes beating people up and it's about being like gritty and nasty and you know we get real blood and real stakes to it and i i mean i like the you know the test here even mentions the um the Zack snyder movie right like he references rorschach in the snyder movie instead of rorschach in the comic um and like all that holds true for the Zack snyder's watchmen for me that it is like because snyder is entirely that to me he's like a very cold formalist right like he's an auteur but he's an auteur who has like nothing interesting about humans in his work to me and watchmen is an example of that like he takes the the comic and completely strips out what makes it you know i, I guess for lack of a better word human to me so I, I can see that really strongly in like how the response to watchmen has been you know what what people take away from it is that formality rather than you know what i think alan moore and i think alan moore would be you know kind of is would be and is actively annoyed by how people respond to his work um yeah but so, i don't think yeah, like yeah. i don't just because the two of us did see that heart in it i do think i don't think the arguments that the ninth panel grid like doesn't work in favor of that i don't think that's wrong i think that's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. kind of fair when i when i picture like what a page of watchmen looks like in my head i do feel like that that visual structure is kind of cold and like where i found the heart is in the detail of in the interior 
of the mm -hmm. panels, but I yeah the I don't know the way people have just remembered the the nine panel grid and haven't gone beyond that. Yeah, that's where it completely loses where the heart was in Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Maybe. I think that I I was I was no sorry I was gonna no, go ahead, dive yeah. in, but I was gonna say it reminded me of uh, just listening to this reminded me of the thing I saw the other day of. Um, uh, you know, like every time like a, a Marvel movie comes out and there's like a anti Martin Scorsese yeah. Uh, yeah, sentiment, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the but there's like a uh, Scorsese obviously is like a is like a big lover of cinema um, and has yeah. you know kind of like done loads of projects to improve like cinema around the world etc etc mm -hmm. and also if you yeah. look at Scorsese's big long list of like 150 films whatever it is films that like everyone needs to see it's this incredibly wonderfully like varied uh, mix of films mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah and I think like that's how I always and I saw someone the other day on Twitter I think it was say something about like how like a Scorsese when you watch a Scorsese film it like makes you excited about cinema and makes you want to like go find other things uh, and then when you watch like a Marvel movie I mean I like a Marvel movie this isn't this isn't but this is but I kind of agree with this point it's in a different uh, conversation yeah <laughs> yeah when you watch a Marvel movie it doesn't make you want to go out and watch like some samurai films or like a, you know like a, a wide range of movies afterwards uh, it kind of makes you think like is there other movies Marvel movies that I've missed to understand what's going on um, but the but that's how I kind of like that I saw that the other day and I was like this is exactly how I feel about like people's response to Watchmen and like Watchmen itself because Watchmen itself to me is kind of like Martin Scorsese's 150 films you should watch list where it's like this is someone that loves comics these are well, two people three people that love comics that are making this comic and it's full of all these like wonderful references to old classic super, like comic uh, superhero comics to indie comics to even the stuff that like more and Gibbons were doing back in the UK before that um, these kind of like really clever formalistic structures that they did in like their 2000 AD strips mm -hmm. um and like, but what people take from it is just this like kind of like one, it's either like this nine panel grid thing or this like the the like image of someone doing an action while a caption from another location says something very similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there's an interplay. And like, that's the kind of like the things that we take, but like the love of the medium, like the excitement of like two, three people that absolutely love comics in all their kind of forms feel like that's the thing that never feels like it translates to like the future works yeah and I, and like that's that's always kind of like upsetting that like the one thing we always and i'm the same because like whenever i talk about watchman i just end up talking about like nine panel grids but like the thing that we well, it is, should it be is remarkable is the <laughs> like, range not, of stuff that's in yeah. there yeah yeah that that's interesting that that thing you were saying about like scorsese inviting you into you know like the whole world of, of comics i think that reminds me of i think it's in the introduction like to the absolute Sandman, I think it's Paul Levitz, the DC president, wrote an introduction. I could be wrong, but um, I think it's in that one. And he says he's talking about Sandman as um, like he, how it's distinguished to him as a piece of art versus like genre work. And he's like, mm -hmm. real art gives you um, like genre work fulfills your uh, your hunger for something that you already know you want, and like real art instills in you like a new hunger <laughs> or something like something right, larger. Yeah. So, like sandman is something new that you've never had before that then makes you interested in all the things that it's talking about versus you know kind of sure. a, a more mainstream x-men comic not to you know uh, trash x-men comics but a random x-men issue <laughs> you know like you want an x-men issue and you go get an x-men issue and it you know it is what it is and mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, and I, I think I, I see that with Watchmen, right? Like, Watchmen invites you into its larger world of, you know, comics history and leftist politics. <laughs> and there's, there's all kinds of, like, it's such a rich <laughs> comic. Um, and I think, you know, you can read that. It's always, it's like... Oh, please, please, please go on. I was going to say, it's always, it's always just like a thing, because it's always like a funny... Uh, it, maybe dichotomy is not the right word, but it's in my head. Between like, because everyone talks about like Watchmen, there's always like a comic that people that haven't really necessarily read comics before are mm-hmm. like, this is a great example of comics. And there's also a bunch of people that are always like, don't give Watchmen to people as their first comic because it it, it like relies on so much history and stuff that maybe you won't really understand it. It's not necessarily the best first comic for someone. But I think it's like, it's like, again, it's like giving someone like, I don't know, like Citizen Kane or something. It's like giving someone like, an example of the form that in my mind because i've given like a thousand copies of that battered comic like i've got like a couple of battered paperbacks that i've given out a million times that book yeah and people always people always seem to love it and then be like what what else like you know because it's it's such a clever example when it's like when you see a film and you've never seen someone do something like that before Mm -hmm. in that film and you go like well that's just made me excited to see more films like i don't necessarily need to see like more of that guy in that film but like i just want to see more of this thing uh, and that's what I was have kind of always had uh, from people re- reading my copies of Watchmen is always like well you know it's not, I don't necessarily need to read more superhero stuff but like what else have you got because this thing has kind of worked on me yeah. um, and I always think that's a good example of like I always think that's a good comic when people aren't like I want the next volume of this but just mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. like what, sure. else, like what yeah. else can you give me that's really interesting yeah that's really interesting and it's like it's it's interesting and it's and completely antithetical to to how superhero comics work to how marvel works because like you said it it is turned towards itself and it's made to make you want to read more of it of the same thing or and of the same characters in the same continuity and i was thinking about like having just read kieran gillen's work on judgment day which is the like this summer's uh, marvel big marvel event and how well judgment day pairs with peter cannon at least uh, how well it is in the evolution of what he did on peter cannon because it is superhero comics, but with that central heart and that central like saying something about people that uh, that he he is doing, and where I guess where he's leaving Thunder, uh, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt by the end. Like to me, the Peter Cannon Thunderbolt and and Taboo by the end are heading into a directions that leaves that leads immediately to to what Gideon does next on uh, on Judgment Day, and like applying that to trying to I mean elevate i guess uh marvel comics and those those uh big two superhero ca- stories and proving that maybe you can also do something really interesting with those uh, m- maybe not as interesting as as watching but you i mean you can do something interesting with those and going further than watchmen with those leaving that shadow which is which is what he he's saying we should do with uh with peter cannon i don't know if yeah, I, that, I, I don't know if interesting... you have read uh, have read uh, judgment day no uh-uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, no, not up to date on next man. I mean, I'm, we're in 2001 Marvel, Charlotte. That's all the Marvel I'm reading. I know. Right now. <laughs> <For my> Marvel, <laughs> so I'm about to read Morrison's X-Men for the first time. Um, uh, the That's an interesting segue into my next like question here is that um, Kieran Gillen's working on X-Men right now. He, When he's writing here about what we need to do to move on, Right, like, what what is he arguing for here besides new? Right, that that seems like the big thing. Like, better is not a, a like a, a yes no. It's a 
you know, and always a moving target. And we asked to move. So is this just an argument to evolve and move past? Because I think to me, that's a little, it's a little bit of a slight um, solution to this because that, (laughs) that seems like it's so, so obvious as to be slightly (laughs) not worth saying, to to be kind of rude, Um, to say that like the, I, I, I guess... I guess when you're talking about big two comics, like that's certainly true, right? Like they can become very stale. But are we are we stuck in superhero comics here in this discussion? Or are we moving into the, the world of larger just comics in general? I, I'm I'm not sure exactly where the um like like it's clear this this comic is making an argument that comics are in a formal rut. But are we just talking superhero comics? And do we agree that comics and even superhero comics are in a formal rut? I guess that's that's kind of my like something that stuck out to me that didn't that made the argument for this comic not land as strongly as I, I like wanted it to is that I was like well there's a lot of good comics out there doing a lot of really exciting stuff and even in the superhero world you know you might have to dig a little deeper in the big two but like there's always interesting stuff coming out every year um Hass what do you what do you think about that that's a that's such a big question. I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you? All right. I guess. I, no, I, I'm gonna. I'll give it. I'll give it a go. I'll okay. Give, please, I'll definitely yeah, give it okay. a go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like I mean there there are like I was just reading the the like the Tradmore Doctor Strange book that came out the other day, mm-hmm. um, for example, and that's like insane. Like that's like I the only thing I've read like that is another Tradmore comic. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah sure. It's it's so that there are like I don't it, I don't think it's like um I don't think it's nece- I don't think it's necessarily as a statement like no super no like superhero comics are reaching above a certain level. Uh I don't think that I don't think I would agree with that for sure because I think there are examples. I mean the, the, the I don't think the question either is ever like are people able to get to that stage? I think I think it's it it's what you're allowed to do. Like I it blow blew me away that like Tradmore that that Doctor Strange Tradmore book is real. Like that's mm-hmm, sure. I know they did like Silver Surfer before that and stuff, but like that is just a wonderful bit of comics that is has a very specific audience within the like the kind of direct market readership. Um, so I don't think the question is like can people go there, but it's just yeah, it, it's if editorial restrictions allow them to. But um, I don't I I I think there's I don't. I think there's a there was a good and I can't remember who said this and now that's which is a, so I could just take the credit for it, I suppose but it was yeah, um yeah, yeah. pass original yeah <laughs> it was um it was the concept the vague idea was basically like like comics as a as a format especially with like monthlies uh direct markety stuff is that it's hard it's hard to give you answers it's hard to like fully and wholly interrogate an idea in comics because of the way the medium works um, mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier to uh, raise questions and ask questions of a reader, and I think that's mm-hmm. probably what this is, where this is going, more so than being like, "Here's the solution." It's more just like, think about this maybe in a way that you may or may not have thought about this before. And I think that across the course of the issues, what I'm going to say, we as though I had some kind of heavy creative input, but what we <laughs> were doing was like yeah. raising this idea that like it's not just about saying like we should do better comics. But let's let's kind of change the way that we have this fixation on this idea, which I think is you know very obviously this idea of 
the Thunderbolt character as Ozymandias from Watchmen as a representation of like these kind of strict formal regimes of Watchmen. Um, and let's just kind of have like a different conversation about this book than, which I think is why it ends on the relationship as well. Uh, on the, the this, this kind of emotional moment as opposed to it just being about the formal restrictions, but like put there's this kind of heart that comes out at the end of it. Oh, um, and I think it really intentionally subverts the idea of the big battle at the end too yeah. by even having uh canon when canon finally beats thunderbolt it's all off screen <laughs> and i think that's mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah, like yeah, a very yeah. intentional choice to and it's, be it's using know. the captions from the alec pa- uh, not parody but like the alec homage where mm-hmm. in the actual alec issue you when there is a brawl in the bar like the 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 story stays focused on the discussion between peter and the the uh, the the barmaid? Is that a word in English? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. say barmaid over here. I couldn't find the actual <laughs> word. Um, but it, yeah, uh, it's like it in the way that naturally in the Alec comic, like a fight in the bar will not be the com- will not be the focus because mm-hmm. that kind of like violence between characters isn't at all what that kind of com- comics is interested in. When that superhero violence c- comes at the end, the decision is made because Peter has evolved to, like... And because Peter is the, like... He's the visual narrator of the comic, so the our point of view evolves with him because he... We see the, the story through through him, not through his eyes, but through through his perception of the universe, uh, through the Nine Final Grid. Um, and I can't remember where I was going with that, but yeah, it's 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 interesting that um, how the, the end changes formalistic formats by learning the lessons of uh, of the attic universe mm-hmm. which is very fun it's like that that idea is like you were saying about it not it's not it's not a big it's not the big final battle and actually yeah. what kills uh Oz, what i keep thinking of Oz thunderbolt Oz, i think is called thunderbolt <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> what, what kills thunderbolt is the is the grid like it's like this kind yeah. of like lineage or whatever or however you want to think about it um is what kills these ideas quicker than it's like um, which again is like that. I mean, that's basically you could probably just take those handful of panels, and that would be enough to find uh, a couple of pages, enough to be like and having interesting discussion about what the effect of Watchmen is on modern comics. But um, I think that's like the. Uh, it's just about yeah. It's just about opening that idea, opening the debate, rather than being like, "Here's the this is what comics are." Because I think if he if Gillen answers that question. Um, we, if we answer that question, if Gillen answers that question, um, I, like I think that falls into the same trap because it just it, it's like the idea is not this is what they could be, but it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. let's just ha- let's just be di- let's just think differently about what they could be. That that is like a satisfying answer to me. I know that it, I, it's, it, as soon as I said that, it sounded weak though because it sort of sounded like uh, <laughs> it's like no, you know, I, we I didn't mean, mean I, we never meant to answer it, but I don't. No, I, 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 I know, but I know what you're saying though because like. I mean, part of the, like, I felt a little bit of, a little unsatisfied by the end of this because it did feel slightly like, you know, there's, there's a problem with comics being, you know, two in a form, but like, not specifically getting too, like, drilling down. I kept thinking about how, like, I would have felt a, a stronger argument would have been made if he was talking about Killing Joke instead of Watchmen, because I was like, Killing Joke is a comic that I feel has had a detrimental impact on comics and it like mm-hmm. you know it, it still is very adhered to it's still very revered and emulated and i think to the detriment of comics whereas like i think watchman has elevated 
the medium and things have grown off of it. Yeah. So, you know, but then I, what you're saying, that does like make sense that, you know, like he, he doesn't want to prescribe a specific solution. Like, oh, well, the solution is to, you know, integrate indie comics into superhero comics, right? That That isn't like what he wants to walk away saying, right? Like, yeah. you know, or well, the thing, I think it's like, again, it's like just raising the question because it's like, it's like for me because I, I so Alec I'd never see, I didn't know Alec before we did this book and that and that to me was a big like a kind of a big moment because it was kind of that thing where like I am probably the person Gillen's talking about <laughs> in the book mm-hmm. like I, what's meant to me is like the holy grail of 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 kind of like uh, non you know uh, writer like a writer and artist in this clever combination of cartoonist mm-hmm. um, uh, and. It was and and within superhero format, but like w- what Gillen showed us when we were working on it as well is like this thing they were doing wasn't even that new. Like it was already people were doing this anyway. Um, it's just like this thing has has kind of stuck around. So it's like that idea of being, you know, like the Boss Baby idea, right? Where if you <laughs> yeah, if you've right, only yeah. seen Boss Baby and then you yeah, watch like any real, other film, yeah, real big Boss yeah. Baby. Right? So it's. I think that's what we kind of all have all done with Watchmen is like we it's like that's the touchstone and we haven't analyzed it further. Um and I include myself in that kind of idea. Like you see you see Mr. Miracle say um and you go like okay that's kind of like doing a Watchmen thing. And that's kind of where like most of our analysis kind of stops. Uh but that but what we don't go to see like well Watchmen was also was just doing these things. Mm-hmm. Um and again it's like it's hard to and I think I, I think comics is a very very difficult um, very, very, it's a very, very difficult medium to give you an answer, um, mm-hmm. and to say like this is not. It's not like a text. It's textbook or whatever. But like just to have a conversation about it. And um, I think like Nick Susanis's Unflattening is like a really clever, and that's a thick, dense tome of a book. And even that is is like, here, let's just think about these things. Let's just have a conversation about these sure. ideas. Um, it's like it's like Trad Moore, right? So it's like uh, like w- when I spoke to Trad Moore years and years ago about Luther Strode, and we talked about all these kind of clever um, multiple characters in the same panel moving around and stuff like that. And uh, he said to me, "That's just Gianna De Luca, this Italian comics artist." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like I I thought like that to me was like the Trad Moore thing, and he was like, "No, that's just me." cribbing Gianna DeLuca and I was like oh right okay so it's like there's all there's, there's all these layers behind all these things and I think that's kind of like you know I mean that's what I kind of got from it when I was working on it was like I have no, I'm not very smart <laughs> my to sum well, up I, what I was saying is that I I stop at a certain point and I should we should just go further I do think in what you're saying about you know like introducing the questions and charlotte's funny because charlotte has this note here and i think i'm, I'm coming to agree with it a little more where she wrote uh, i had fun reading it but i loved analyzing it uh and right. and, and I, I think that like i mean that even if i walked away with a little bit of uns- being unsatisfied like it did make me be like all right well i have a lot of questions about what it's getting at i have questions like it's raising the questions about the medium even if i don't feel like i agree with what where he's saying like the the industry is at necessarily right like it is certainly raising interesting questions um and and it like and besides that it is a fun read right like it does work as a entertaining really well put together comic um we'll have to get to the (laughs) actual like characters and stuff uh at some point 
That's um, what I was going to... Can I ask a question? Because that's what I was going to ask both yeah. of you. Go ahead, yeah. Was, uh, was, like, how did it... Because obviously, like, we're all just talking about, like, the, <laughs> the, the core concept behind it. But, like, did you find it... Um, how did you find it as a like as a story? Like, if you kind of, I know it's hard to detach that sort of stuff because that's so much about what the book is. But like, mm-hmm. how did you find the, the the sort of the story of it? Charlotte, you want to go? Yeah. So that's the thing. I the the way you said that uh, Watchmen is kind of your go to to like people who want, at least it can be a go to for people who want to get into comics and like they read Watchmen and like I want more of I want more comics. This is great. Um, I feel like Peter Cannon can't work on that level because like i'd be very curious what someone who has no idea of what who has never read watchmen who has never read any superhero comics reads peter cannon and he's like i i have to guess that they, they would be completely lost it's vi- like it's very inside baseball yeah for sure yeah and like <laughs> this is like I, four comic fans like on a, a metal level <laughs> and yeah. i i love it for that because i am one of those coming fans um but like i don't know is i wonder and I, I don't have a clear answer to this but i wonder if that in like you said inside baseball aspect is a detriment to it or if it's like if it is a success in the way that i don't think i don't think the version of this that is open to non-comics fans or non-comics readers is as good as this because it is it is enhanced by how specific it is and how much it relies on the title because it is it is very much a comic about comics uh, in the way like i think he kieran once talked about his uh, like phonogram as him doing uh, music journalism in the in the medium of comics and i think this is kind of similar it's it's very much comics journalism in the form of a comic and and there is a heart to it with the characters, especially with uh, with Peter and with uh, Taboo. But it's I don't know. It's I really like that heart, but I don't know how much you find that heart if you don't understand what's happening. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably where uh, someone who who doesn't who doesn't have all the clues to 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 interpret it interpret it interpret Interpret? Interpret? Interpret it. Interpret, Interpret it, yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, would be left. Um, so yeah, I'm, I I would be very curious. And that's, I guess my opinion is it is like, it, it's a very good comic. I don't know if it's a great comic, but I, I sure loved, I sure love that comic. Like it's, it's immediately one of my... You had a good time with it, yeah. Yeah, I had a great time with it. And like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious where you... Where you I had a bit... I had a better time with it when I first read it when I was slightly less like in the world of comics, right? When I was like okay. a little more divorced from like, you know, what what is going on in comics and like what exciting things are happening in comics. Because I think this time I felt slightly salty <laughs> about its <laughs> like its saltiness about comics because I w- was just kind of like, well, there's there's tons of great stuff out there, and then I you know I I think I I maybe um maybe unfairly you know was was looking at its relationship with watchmen as being uncharitable um so you know that that's something that that's actually why i wanted to read it a second time because i was like am i like am i being too tough on like do i am i do i love watchmen so much that i'm uh just rejecting its thesis out of hand because i'm like watchmen is really just that good (laughs) and it is worth you you know 
holding up as like a sacred text so you know is am i the problem here um but <laughs> I, I, your, your question has the did i enjoy it as a story i think it is it's interesting you brought up fincher i was thinking of christopher nolan when i read this mm-hmm. where i was like i feel I like that's this a better is, example i feel like this is ideas first and then like the characters like are certainly there and there's definitely some something to it but like they are secondary to this so like it's weird out of all the um the little cast of superheroes the only one i really felt like there was much to is the test (laughs) and i didn't really like the test but the test was interesting to me um just as as an idea but they're not characters and like charlotte said taboo and peter's relationship is the only real one here i Mm -hmm. i don't know if this would work better with another four or five issues fleshing it out like if it would have been better but i feel like that aspect could have certainly used a little fluffing up right like it it, if it would need more space to breathe um if we wanted to like bring the characters in more and have them feel like they they all get slaughtered in the middle and you know i don't feel anything (laughs) towards it and i I don't think kieran would think you would either i don't think he would you know thinks that that's a a big moment of heartbreak um the only thing i think Sorry, no, 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 please. It's, yeah, I was just gonna say the only the only part that I think you know, Kieran is putting out as an emotional core is taboo and Peter. Um, in, in the sure. the moment that really got to me <laughs> is taboo, the robot taboo. Um, that one line he has when he talks about uh, how he tried to escape and uh, Thunderbolt trapped him by giving him wrists he couldn't slit. Uh, that. <laughs> That's a hell of a line. Oh my god, that's a real gut punch of a line. I, I think probably the the best line in the book, to be honest, uh, at least on a like an emotional level. I was going to say from Charlotte what you were saying uh, about if it would work for non yeah uh, like Watchmen readers. I think that's like a, that that's super interesting. I, like I don't think I agree with you. I don't really think it would because it's so. I mean, like you need. I think you need. To understand when you look at Thunderbolt, you like you need to realize that that's like clearly Ozymandias and his big screens and everything like that. Like it doesn't, it, it, like it relies on that knowledge. I think <laughs> to yeah. work to work in the first place. And even if you added, I think it's one of those things. It's like even if you added, you know, because obviously Watchmen's twelve issues. This was uh, five, mm-hmm. yeah. five, yeah. 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 So even if you added like seven <laughs> more issues, I should probably know how many issues it was. But even yeah. if you added seven more <laughs> issues. Uh, <laughs> You wrote. I don't think. I don't. I don't think you'd do that because, like, you. I don't even think that would. Yeah, it wouldn't be enough because you'd have to still explain Watchmen. You'd yeah. still have to explain like the cultural but uh, effect and impact. I don't that. think that's a weakness, though. I mean, how many? How no, many I don't. I, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, all agree. the com- so much of what we're reading just for this series, and we're going to read the boys next. Does the boys make sense in a total vacuum if you don't know what <laughs> but superheroes I, I are? Right. Like, I don't think the. Is there to call it a solution? But I don't think you. You resolve that what's missing there by explaining the Watchmen reference. I think like what it would have needed is giving those uh, secondary characters like personalities of their own, like something interesting to them that is in that is that works even if you don't get the Watchmen reference. Like that is there for the people who haven't read Watchmen mm-hmm. and who haven't who don't have all the those clues. Um, do you think and the I characters, think... all those other superheroes, are more than just reference, though? Because to me, I don't. No, no, that, that's the thing. They're not, but maybe by being more, that's what like. Mm-hmm. I don't think you okay. can give, you can explain the re- the Watchmen reference to someone who hasn't read Watchmen. Like, 
just need to point them towards Watchmen. Uh, but like by giving them more individual like personalities and something more than that, you mm-hmm. would maybe like give someone who hasn't read Watchmen a stronger core to focus on uh, that isn't there. But I, but like I, I personally don't even need it. Don't even need. Don't even think it needs that because like I really enjoy just being those five issues. And like I feel like I don't know those five other characters have like those five other heroes have a very specific role that necessitates them to not go beyond that role I guess uh, because like Peter needs to be the one that feels that at one point towards the end Peter Cannon who's like the one we're following says that like it hurts him to understand that he isn't really real like that he re- isn't really a human because he understands in in some way that he's a character but he also understands that thunderbolt like the the evil uh, peter cannon is even less a character than that and i think that's also true of the the other heroes at the beginning like they're meant to feel less real than the main peter cannon because they are they are characters that are characters if that makes sense <laughs> yeah 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 that that's a really interesting uh, idea that you know there's like a real intentionality to them yeah. being thinly drawn but in in that case like i do kind of feel like maybe it would leave in less character because like the test the test is not rorschach i I know he kind of stands in for rorschach the test is a really interesting like he's kind of like joker mixed with like like i think he's meant to signify like i don't know like the edgiest worst impulses of comics to just like (laughs) churn through this like hyper violent characters that don't have much like like cynical nihilistic villains that just kind of come and go i guess like the detail that he only lives for two weeks <laughs> uh meaning he's very disposable maybe hassan you, you like you already know this because you you worked with kieran uh on on it because i i just read the the commentaries Kevin Gillen did on Bidding Cool for like he just went through the whole issues and like explained his thought process behind it and so he explained specifically what the inspirations between the the other characters are but like I almost feel like it's more fun to like I don't know Zach do you want to get spoiled on what they're supposed to be referencing or like because I think there's something enjoyable about just keeping for your, like, keeping what you got from them and not inf- getting that influenced by what the creator actually uh, wanted to do with the, with them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, we've read the comic. I think it's okay if you want to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, because, so the the thing that's interesting is that they're, the, those five other superheroes are, like, are also plays on the main characters of Watchmen and by extension the the Charlton Comics characters those were based on. But mm-hmm. they also between the Watchmen version and the Peter Cannon version, like the, the yeah. Karen Gillen version, there's the interstice of like every the 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 superhero comics that come after Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And yes, so yeah. f- with uh, with the the peacemaker slash comedian guy you like there's a lot of ultimate captain america with that guy um mm-hmm, sure yeah. the blue beetle uh is very iron man etc baba yaga uh, who's the the six specter also has a very much a black widow character to them i i, I think in in his commentary uh gillen like says that all of them can very much be one of the six uh original movie avengers um 
and yeah so i what he what he said about the the test is that he he's very inspired from like the wolverine and especially deadpool uh like br- yeah, violent sure. loner from from 90s comics and also yeah. like um video game protagonist of like like call of duty that kind of, of video game where it's like just the, the violence and just the people shooting at each other uh, and like that that's uh, the test was, was very inspired by by that idea like the the most extreme version of the loner character that is just here to be violent yeah the test certainly felt like the the character with the most like disparate things all kind of pulled together into one identity yeah. um, which is i think why i like responded to that character character he's, he's and, and also we like should the say one making jokes and like gillen is very clearly having a lot of fun with him <laughs> we sh- definitely should point out casper wingard uh at this point uh yeah for for doing i mean designing all these characters because they're really like even if they don't they don't get used that much they're really evocative designs i think they're all very fun superhero designs like kind of s- threading the needle between like very strong classic you know, golden and silver age designs with some more modern touches. Uh, they feel they're really great. Um, and overall, the book, uh, Mary Safro on colors as well. The book looks great. Um, I think it like does exactly what it's setting out to do uh, visually. So nothing, nothing but praise uh, on that. Um, do we do we have much else to talk about here? I, I feel like we've we've really gone through. I, I, this conversation has turned me around on it a little bit. Nice. Uh, and, and I was I wasn't <laughs> my like job holy, is done. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't wholly negative on this. I, I just no, felt I know, like there there was there was a, a slight just something, and I think maybe Hess, you're talking about like um, you know comics. Just it, it is harder to pitch a a really full, fleshed out, you know, deeply lived in argument in 23 right. pages. <laughs> yeah, right. That that's a really really difficult and and only a handful of you know creators can do that right and we hold those comics up as some of the best <laughs> of all time um and that you know it, it, there's something about like this comic being so watchman dependent that i think hurts it a little bit because i am mm-hmm. thinking about watchman the whole time in comparison and that's not fair but it is inviting that comparison because if i'm judging this against a random superhero comic i think this is a lot more on its mind than this comic is exceptionally well done in comparison to Watchmen, i think it feels kind of slight <laughs> but you know again how many comics don't right um so there's like, like there, there there's two there's not i'm not i don't i don't genuinely genuinely don't mean this as like a defense of the book because no uh, please i defend it i've been I'm, paid by it years ago and it doesn't yeah, make yeah. much difference <laughs> to me now but the, the the um i think it's like it's like on one hand we we had uh five issues um mm. and i, I want to say they were only 20 pages as well they weren't like super long issues i don't think yeah. um which is just the modern landscape of yeah, comic books like yeah. it's hard to i think like i remember there was like talk of like of six issues maybe and i think this book did well for dynamite as well and mm-hmm. i don't yeah. even, i think even at that point like they no one like they didn't want to be like here's more money to do a sixth issue like i don't I think it was very tightly held at five, which feels like I've done a bunch of dynamite things, and it feels like five is kind of their stop. Like <laughs> we don't do more than five issues of a thing. Um, so on one hand, it's like it's difficult because you've only got you've got less than half of the issues, say like the original Watchmen had, and you don't have you don't have any of the 
multiple pages of back matter. Each issue is also about four pages shorter. Um, so you've got significantly less room to work in. But it's also like, I I, I think the point of it is that it, you need to have read Watchmen. Like, I think like, um, I was just looking at, I was trying to remember the book. I think it's Ex Libris by, uh, I think it's Matt Madden. And that's like a comic about comics where it's like a guy in a room and he is looking around and he sees a bookshelf and it's got loads of comic books on it. And then the experience of reading that book kind of emulates a bunch of different comic styles and approaches. Uh, and it's it's, a, it's like a conversation about like, what can we do in comics? And that, I think only, because I've given that to someone else as an experiment who doesn't read comics and they were just like, I don't get what this is. I don't get it. Yeah, and I think yeah. like, that's like, there's there's differences between like that kind of comic and say like Will McPhail's In, which does tons of clever comic things, but in a way that you, where you don't need to have read any comic before, any like any comic before that to under, to see yeah. what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, Matt Madden's Ex Libris, for example, I don't think it's I don't think it's to its detriment that you need to have a grounded understanding of comics to understand it because it, I think Charlotte does anyway, but like it, it can't it can't do what it's doing without you knowing that. Yeah. And so having to educate you on that takes away time <laughs> from that. Like it could could be spent doing the thing it's trying to do in the first place. So I think that's the the, the negative and the positive of of, Thund- of Peter Gann Thunderbolt is like if it if it was more accessible within the same framework. It wouldn't really be able to kind of get as much in, of course, as yeah. it wants yeah. to. And, and, but at I the same think... time, that it makes it colder. It does. It kind of does the thing <laughs> that it's like talking about in a sense, because yeah. it it can't. You need to know. You need to. You need to it be where to we're hit, at. Hit the point that it's trying to yeah. get in five yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that. I mean, that that's really interesting perspective. And I don't. I don't. I, I certainly don't hold it against it that Watchmen is the touchstone to like the key to unlock this comic because. It's Watchmen, right? It is the comic that ever. If you're reading Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, like you've probably read Watchmen, right? It is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's such a you know foundational work of comics, and it's so accessible, and it's you know widely read that mm-hmm. it's tough to think of somebody who hasn't seen it, right? So mm-hmm. like, or hasn't read it. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think that's too much of a, a knock against the comic that it is so Watchmen dependent, um, and. Yeah, and I mean, I I like the, I appreciated uh, one one thing at the end here, the like call to action. And it's it's clear like Gillen loves comics and wants them to grow and evolve, right? That comes through clearly, especially through the end of this comic. Um, and it almost like puts that on the reader in one moment, uh, in an interesting way by having Peter Cannon is talking about how like they have to be better and evolve, and Taboo says something like, "Do you think we'll be able to do this?" And then Peter Cannon looks at the reader and says i don't know but i certainly hope so or something like that like we'll find out together i think is what he does and he's like it, it is a call to action to the reader almost of you know like you're part of this as well um i like i like that little touch um i mean there, there's a million clever ways uh that he gets at this without there's a really funny bit in the um in the pitch document where he's explaining in issue four something towards the issue four what he's like this is what the comic's been building to these are the themes i'm trying to hit and it's all about like formalism and adherence to formalism blah 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 and then he writes in parentheses something like i promise it will be more subtle than this <laughs> and, and i do think he does he does a good job <laughs> of that um but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I appreciate this perspective on you know just like having to work within the limitations of a five issue run. Um, and like I said, like 
I, I kind of agree with Charlotte's uh, appraisal of like, I had a good time reading this and I had a great time talking about it, right? Like this really, it, it's not a comic that uh, just kind of rolled off my brain. And I said like, this is a good like meat and potato superhero <laughs> comic, right? Like it has, it has a lot on its mind. Um, yeah. And it's definitely like taking a stand in something um, and, and trying to say something interesting. Do we have any any closing thoughts about it? Can I, 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 think can I add one thing? Please, yeah. Uh, just because I want to talk about it, because I just remembered that it was my favorite part of doing this book. But there's, yes, there's, yes, there's, yes. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, we, I, yeah. Please go on. No, I was just gonna because I think we, I think Charlotte mentioned like the pub pile on off screen thing, or, mm-hmm. or yeah. between the two of you is mentioned. Um, and there's the little captions that have like a little pointing finger. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. That's uh, yours. Which is again completely lifted from Alec. Um, but that is one of I had honestly forgotten about it until we reread it, and uh, and now I'm gonna figure out how to get that into another comic book. <laughs> because I, it's I, I love it so it's much. It's super fun and super clever. I like actually this doing like doing the episode with you and knowing that uh, when reading the comic, maybe like Zach said at the beginning, pay closer attention to 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 the lettering to to the to the the, the bubbles. Uh, I guess by like a bigger word, um, but like that's something interesting. Interesting that I never, that wasn't on my mind before reading superhero comics is uh, at least American comics is like paying close attention to the work of the let- letterer as an individual artist, like an individual creator. Because like I'm I'm French. I was raised on French and Belgian comics, and like usually the like the what we call the artist is also the colorist and is also the letterer like that's mm-hmm. just one job and so that's something that was very new to me getting into 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 american comics as a teenager is like what it, why are there like six different people uh, in the credits of this comic like you just <laughs> need two people <laughs> um and so yeah it's it's interesting and really makes me want to to pay closer attention to to that part of the craft when i'm when i'm reading comics because it's it's hugely important and it can like it's very interesting, like, it's the role it has in the, as, like, the cement between the visual and the textual elements of the book, because it is, it is text made into image, and, like, that's, that's a very interesting relationship that is central to comics, and, like, it's being a, a separate role, at least usually in American comics, is, is very interesting, and, and, yeah, something I want to, to pay attention to. Well, I, I, like, I had this, uh, like, I, when I was a kid... French stuff because my dad's Algerian like we got a lot of French yeah. comics and so a lot of stuff that I read was like Lucky Luke and Titi yeah. and Asterix and stuff like that um Titi until my dad read an issue of it a collection <laughs> of it and with them was like don't ever look yep. at this again <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um but it was like this is a whole side thing but I was absolutely blown away when we went to Franz on holiday and they had like Titi stands in like the supermarket this huge oh yeah everyone and it was like that. cartoons yeah, yeah there was we stayed in the uh, F1 hotel and there was like a cartoon of Titi in the morning and I was like, this is unbelievable. And then you go back home to England and it's like, everyone's like, comics, are not, we don't care about them. And then it's like, you've got these hor- horrendous like teenage genitalia and stuff in yep. these. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's a whole separate thing. But the, what I was going to say, to piggyback onto that, was like the thing that, that's cool about those things, and there's tons of fun inspiration and lettering in those, because I think sometimes we can... Uh, you think of lettering as a separate role and we think of it probably maybe sometimes more as like a technical role necessarily yeah. than a creative one. And, um, but what is fun about that is trying to figure out, like look at what cartoonists do in their lettering and then 
try and emulate try, or try and kind of get into that headspace a little bit and that was a kind of fun thing reading alec as well with like those finger pointing uh captions is like that's someone who the lettering is part of the image and that was always designed to be part of the storytelling yeah. as opposed to like this is what the picture is going to be and we'll just we'll slap some text on over the top of it um and it's the same with dave gibbons doing lettering on watchmen and so like that was the kind of thing that i wanted to do with the thunderbolt uh lettering was like I used the Dave Gibbons font, uh, yeah. and uh, I kind of tried to emulate as much as I, as much as you can, like his balloon, hand drawn balloon style. Like all the Thunderbolt balloons are kind of like hand drawn, whereas the uh, modern stuff was kind of like I was looking at more like the Wildstorm lettering and things like that, and mm-hmm. trying to make it look a little more digitally, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, and to yeah, try and create these little pockets of universes that work within the same thing, and that that was a really fun experience. Like you know, that was quite early on in my lettering life and it was quite fun to get the opportunity to 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 like be where, where the, the person you're working with is like be playful with this thing like try like look at what these different elements are doing um and kieran did not ask me to hand letter that uh that fourth issue um uh but it was i feel like it was heavily implied that it really should be hand lettered because if i just mm-hmm. got a font on that i don't think yeah it would have uh it, w- it just wouldn't have worked and so it's fun to do something where like the lettering is quite integral i think obviously i think that i'm not going to say the lettering is oh i mean the character like, the <laughs> characters literally speak about the let like w- when you start uh in issue five you're hand lettering in the gutters oh and yeah, yeah thunderbolt yeah. remarks upon that and says what was that <laughs> right so i mean that's, <laughs> i i think it, it's a huge role right the actual like form of your lettering is is it's a plot point. <laughs> yeah, I just but I just really wanted to mention the, the finger pointing captions because that is some of the most fun I've it's, ever had yeah, drawing a, yeah. <laughs> drawing anything. In the comic. So when you when you're setting out to letter a comic, does it um, do you feel like you do you have to pitch those kind of creative beats back to the the writer or the, how much free reign do you generally get? Does it just depend comic by comic? Uh, I just do whatever, and then if they don't like it, people can tell me to undo it. <laughs> Really? Okay, so you, you just <laughs> but, put yourself out there, and then you know we like once we've agreed like a style for the look of the thing, uh, yeah. then I'll just kind of the thing like I've really and I, it's stuff like it's having worked on things like this that I think has tried to help, tried to put you in the mindset of being like if I was and this is some people aren't going to like this I'm sure but like for me it's like if I was able to draw and I was drawing this comic what would I do with the lettering. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, like how would I make the lettering actually part of it? And so, like I've been like trying to do more things, like putting faces, you know, like the kind of manga thing of like putting faces in caption boxes when yeah. people are speaking, or like um, taking, like I did a book when I did this image book called Above Snakes. I would take, so it was drawn by Hayden Sherman, so I'd take some of Hayden's, like, so there's like a narrator, and sometimes I'll just take one of Hayden's drawings and just move it from one issue to this and create it, put it in a new panel in like the corner of a page. And do a balloon rather than like captions and like just just like I'm just gonna do it and if people don't like it we can just take it away. Um, mm. But I think like that's a fun uh, getting the opportunity to work on stuff like this is like a really was like a fun way of opening my eyes to being like we can just do stuff like this in lettering. It doesn't need to be what Batman looked like when it was lettered in 2010 or whatever. Like we can we mm. <laughs> we can think differently and, and kind of try and add a stamp to it. Um, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure some people that I've worked with have not enjoyed that, but I think <laughs> for me it's like that's the thing that makes it kind of fun. Not upsetting people, but the the <laughs> it can trying to it. trying to be additive, trying to be additive to the to the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, really interesting. It's a part of the comic, and like comics is is a visual art. Like I, I <laughs> it feels obvious to say, but yeah, it's it's a visual art. So yeah, they 
lettering has a, a visual component to it that like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be just here to be functional i guess mm-hmm. at least i shouldn't be throwing around away a white statements like that but it doesn't have to be a just have functional, to be functional I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah, should be functional, be, but it doesn't have to just be functional. Yeah, exactly. There can be Thank creativity. <laughs> just to, I mean, I, I think I, if I have any insight into the ways that lettering can be creative creative and additive to the comic, it's just through through your work, Cass. So, yeah. um, you know, and you talking about it and your point of view from it. Um, Letters and Lines, your your podcast about uh, like we'll lettering. We'll slowly that. bring that back at some point, too. So. <laughs> really? Okay, that would be great. Uh, I, I did listen to that back back when you were doing the the seasons of that um and that was that was very uh interesting to me about lettering so um yeah any any closing thoughts anything else about peter cannon we want to talk about just want to like i'm gonna use the opportunity once again to talk about a (laughs) the coming i don't know if i've ever talked about it on the podcast but i've talked about it on the slack a lot uh the comic mr invincible by juslin uh, yeah, Miss Invincible uh, by Justin. It's a it's a French comic. It's mm-hmm. like it's a it's a comedy comic, but that uh, plays around a lot with the form of the comic. And like like in Peter Cannon, the main character has his power is to be conscious of the. It's not a nine panel grid. It's I think it's a sixteen panel grid usually, but he's conscious what? of it and he can move around in it. And like that's his power. And his enemies and everyone who is it is completely confused because they can't see the grid. And like yeah, Justin does very 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 fun stuff with that and also with the. Uh, other characters, one of them has a, a power that has to do with perspective, so he can pluck a, a like an elephant that's in the background and bring it to the foreground, but it's still very small because of the way the comics work. So yeah, he does a very lot of very fun stuff with that. So if you if you like that kind of stuff, if you like that in Peter Cannon, but you want to see that in a more like comedic way, Miss Invincible is absolutely great. I'd it's, second it's, that as well. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's certainly on our list for uh, the the potential French Belgian comic. Uh, <laughs> theme that we might do in the future yeah. um, and we'll have you on for I don't know the name of the comic you were talking about the one with teenage genitalia <laughs> oh, you yeah you want to come back for that one <laughs> um, I wanna, that would can be I interesting because just... I hated it when I was a kid <laughs> I, I think like I, I genuinely think I had one copy because I think my dad saw me reading it and was like what are you reading and I, must yeah. say, I was like probably like 10 <laughs> at the time and my dad just found like you know because it was the all the rage Yeah. Um, I'll just piggyback off, off what Charlotte was saying because like I think that's a really fun point, is that actually, if we want to talk about uh, that I also had not thought about until that moment, so thank you, was like, the formalism stuff that like Peter Cannon kind of talks about is just being overused or, or taken and not kind of uh, iterated upon. Um, comic strips and like newspaper strips and stuff have been, did that, have been doing that for like decades yeah. and decades and decades because the nature of the form is kind of ne- necessitated that clever, you know, like Nancy, like every three panel strip of Nancy does clever, formal playfulness in a way that isn't like gritty, serious. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. we, stuff. We, I talk about it all the time, but John Byrne's yeah. She-Hulk is from like uh, roughly the same year as Watchmen. Mm-hmm. You're right. And that has, you know, the, the, the time jumps being used literally of her stepping from one panel into, you know, from one location to the next and leaping over the grid to get somewhere quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Or pulling them down to get to somebody in the next grid, right? So, like, it, it's been played with for as long yeah. as, you know, there have been comics. So we could do more of that. I mean, Squirrel Girl exists, obviously, but we can do... Uh, <laughs> we... 
We can well, do more. I mean, even, can do even more the way we're talking moments. about it is somewhat limiting in that we're still talking about the grid and how to break yeah. the grid <laughs> in a literal sense, right? We're in like we're saying like there has to be nine panels, but then you know the characters are you know has to be some meta thing. That's probably even much too limiting, <laughs> right? In the the way that um, this this comic is making the argument, like having comics with no grids. Oh my god. <laughs> um, well, the, I, I'll I'll throw back to the Gianna DeLuca example as like a thing. If people are like listening to this and being like, you know, what's like like an example of where something else could go? I think that's a really fun looking at even less so in. Um, uh, uh, I've got it on my. Sh- I'm so bad with names, and I've got something on my shelf, and I was looking for it. I can't find it. Uh, is it? I think it's Il Spado, which is the like the detective book that Deluca did, but like less so in that. But like in a lot of his kind of Shakespeare adaptations, um, you just see like a completely different way of doing comics. That like yeah. that 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 is just. I mean, so like massively different than what oh, anyone yeah, else is doing. Yeah, I'm looking at it now with Hamlet. Like, there, there's about like 14 different Hamlets. Walking mm-hmm. all in one big page, yeah, and, mo- and that's like monologuing that's, to himself. Well, that's like a guy whose whole career was figuring out like how do we do time and space on a two mm-hmm. on a two D plane, um, and so even some of like his later like he had a book that he he, uh, he he passed away before he finished, but then that there's really clever a uh, really clever combination of like the stuff that he was doing. In, I think it's Il Spado, um, and in the Shakespeare stuff where he's using panels, but he's also using the kind of multiple figures. So like you'll have a sequence of three panels on the same page kind of vertically stacked and like at the top will be like one action that runs across all three panels and at the bottom will be a more traditional look in the same panel of like the same action but like three stages of it and so you're kind of getting space and and three-dimensional space at the same time as linear chronological kind of um, action it's just unbelievable so if, if that's like if people are listening to this and being like well what are ideas that we could expand beyond. I think having a look at Gianna DeLuca is a really, f- and this is stuff being done like years ago, like de- like decades. Oh, ago. I mean, he died in '91, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's worth looking yeah. at some of that stuff because that's yeah, and that's what Trad Moore's take. There's a lot of trad, like a lot of Trad Moore uh, is kind of like utilizing that in clever sort of superheroic ways and in, in, in like Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer and stuff. Yeah, um, that's a fun person to look at. I think. Yeah, we do tend to forget there are like comic creators outside of America and the UK. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, it's <laughs> worth remembering that, like, stuff. the, the yeah. ninth panel grid and, like, the the waffle look to, to a page is, like, very Western. Like, that's not something you find very much in, in manga or manual or, like, mm-hmm. more Asian forms of comics. Like, that's that's at least a lot less central than it is in, in America. Like, that's, that's a very American comics and, in, to some extent, European comics uh, discussion to, to have about comics. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's and that's and that's the whole Peter Kind of Thunderbolt thing, right? That's the Scorsese. Yeah. Look at look beyond the like that's yeah, yeah. the Alec thing. Like look, let's look beyond just Watchmen and and I mean you know again I don't I feel like I'm saying that and it sounds like a bad thing, but like let's just look beyond Watchmen and Sandman and uh, I don't know Planetary or whatever kind of people see as cultural sort of comic book touchstones of the superhero yeah. genre to the stuff that like people were lifting for that. Alec, I mean, have, have you seen Deluca? Um... Have you read the the Eternaut, the uh, Argentinian comic, Hector? I've, we we had someone write an essay about it in panel by panel, which is <laughs> that's like the extent of my knowledge of it. It's incredible. It's <laughs> se- it's seventy years old, and it, I mean, it looks like it would slot right in with the like '90s boom of like indie stuff with like what you're saying, Alex, and maybe like Ghost World, Harvey Picard, the like black and white, more grounded, uh, creator focused stuff. It's from the '50s, you know. So mm-hmm. like even pre 
Fantastic Four, <laughs> right? There was like shockingly inventive, um, formal experiments yeah. happening in comics. So. Well, the, I think the Eternal is the one as well. This isn't sort of such a side story, but I'm absolutely no, fascinated please. by it. Yeah. Is I think the Eternal is the thing where the same creator remade that book like a few decades later. Um, really? Completely, that's, and that's and just remade it. And it's like a lot, I think it's like a lot darker in the remake. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's like, a, it was like, I'm so sure that that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what the essay we had about Yeah, you're right. 19, you did it in yeah, 1957 and then 1969. You just did it again. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that fascinating? You just remade the book. I think that's that's such a weird thing that some comics get to do. I, I've been reading. Um, I'm like going through. We we did Claremont for my Marvelous year, but we skip around in my Marvelous year and just read like the big moments. And I'm going through and trying to just kind of slowly read through the whole thing. And this time I'm reading classic X Men, which is Claremont going back in the '80s and tacking on pages and panels and little side stories. <laughs> to his like original 40 50 issues and it's fascinating right. getting to see uh an artist get to go back and like like sometimes it's just continuity sometimes he's like oh yeah i since realized like nightcrawler can't do that so like i just <laughs> have to find like i have to insert these three pages explaining how he teleported inside of a mountain without you know no he had to use banshee sonar to get inside the mountain but other times it's just him saying like you know I really wish I'd hit these character beats and I wish I'd introduced this sooner and this character wasn't, didn't quite turn out to be like that. So I'm going to tweak it. it. It's an interesting thing. Um, I'm sure that it's probably the dream of every artistic creator <laughs> yeah. in, you know, in a lot of these mediums. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I think a lot of artists probably finish something. They never want to look at it again. It's just <laughs> in the past and they want to move forward, but I'm sure a lot of obsessives, would like to go back and are always saying I, I have that with our podcast i think about that all the time with like man i just wish we could do the first couple of years at my mervis year again yeah. it would be so much better if i could just go back and you know do it with who i am now so um okay i think that's gonna probably do it uh Hass, thank you so much that was that yeah. was a great conversation it was really really fun having you on here so um was genuine well, yeah that was awesome it was a lot of fun thank you very oh, much I'm, I'm glad nice. yeah welcome back welcome back anytime um Little little bit of uh, shop talk. We've got, uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash year. If you're hearing this on Patreon, thank you for your support. If you're hearing this on our public feed, you have six months worth of these episodes behind our Patreon paywall. Um, also get access to our really nice Slack community for uh, $5 a month. The master spreadsheet for My Marvelous Year and extra issues is a dollar a month, etc., etc. Um if uh let's see I, itunes reviews are always appreciated and our music is by fm skyline thank you to fm skyline for that Hus, do you have anything uh, you're working on that you want to you want to plug uh yeah we c- you can um uh you should check out panel by panel magazine which is at panelxpanel.com yes, yes. um it's good and it's really cheap and you get low you get for sort of the price of a cup of coffee uh that you buy from a shop rather than one you'd make at home because that's significantly cheaper. You'd get um, <laughs> like a hundred pages of digital magazine that's been like nicely designed and it's like chock full of uh, fun writing and interviews and stuff like that on comics. Um, and uh, and Strip Pile Naked's on YouTube. Uh, more episodes are coming soon. Um, and you can buy comics that I've worked on if you want to, like Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, uh, and others. um yeah it's always fun when i uh i stumble across a comic lettered by you and i'm like oh yeah i know that guy it's it's 
You're one of like two letterers that's names pops out at me, and I go, "Oh, I know that." <laughs> um, it helps that it's a really long name, to be fair. <laughs> well, no, I it's mean, it's probably three panel X panel, but yes. Um, but yeah, I, I just got to second that like a million times. Panel X panel. This. Uh, do you say panel X panel? Wait, or do you say panel by panel? I, I say panel. I say panel by panel, but it's, oh, okay. it's more right. awkward to then send someone to a web address because it's panel X panel rather than. And T- Tiffany and I just had that discussion and we landed on like, oh, wait, I don't know. What what does Hass say? I'm not sure. She's like, I think he says this. And I couldn't remember. But PXP. Uh, yes. Panel by panel. PXP, perfect. Yeah. It, it's incredible. <laughs> it's such a good deal. Uh, I Yeah, definitely definitely go support some of the, the best comic criticism out there. Uh, and Dave's not here, so I can I can say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> say that freely. Dave, Dave's written the piece for us, so it's, it's all... Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have at this stage. What did he write? He wrote uh, a mind management MGMT piece. Oh, uh, he loves that comic. That was really really good fun, yeah. Yeah, And we got to do a fun... One thing I like about Panel by Panel a lot is that, like, because it's designed, we can be playful with, like, the thing, the layout. And so Mm -hmm. Dave wrote this fun, really fun piece about, like, the side notes Mm -hmm. in mind. Did you say management MGMT? Yeah, I said management, yeah. Um, Yeah management and so we did like a fun playful thing with like the sides on that as well it's good it's it's worth uh checking out I, and i can't remember what issue it is but it's recent so buy a bunch of the most recent ones and it'll be <laughs> we got to cover mind management at some point i've had the hard covers of it sitting on my shelf for years and i have hell not- yeah my <laughs> management's here coming. coming soon <laughs> yeah dave dave would love that they, they just put out a board game about that that was really Ooh. well received it's it's very uh it's very interesting um, all right, next, uh, let's see, we're about halfway through the superhero subversions uh, theme, and next month we're begin- going to be covering Garth Ennis is and Derek Robinson, off the top of my head, Robertson, sorry if I'm getting that wrong, um, The Boys, uh, also another Dynamite series. I don't know if I've ever read a Dynamite series before, and now I'm reading two right in a row for, um, for extra <laughs> issues, but we're going to, I'm going to try to read all of The Boys, I think it's about 70 yeah, issues. We're gonna. I'm gonna try to get through it. It. I, I'm already started. It's, Just watch uh, it's, the show. Yeah, I mean. So so here's here's something. Um, <laughs> I I certainly know that I I've I've tried. I love Preacher. I love Garth Ennis's Preacher. I adore that comic. And I've tried the boys a few times, and I always get a few issues in, and I'm like, yeah, this is gross. <laughs> this is a little nasty. <laughs> too like too nasty, too unfettered. Oh, and I should say, people listening to this, like, big content warning on the boys, even. As someone who loves Preacher, uh, it gets homophobic, it's transphobic, it's kind of racist. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that, that that's pretty nasty. Um, I, am liking it. I am liking it more this time. But um, <laughs> we were talking to Dave about it, and uh, he was saying, you got to find someone who likes this comic. And I have had the hardest time... <laughs> I think someone, uh, but but Tiffany, someone who likes the of... comics and we want to talk to you also is the <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point yeah I think it automatically disqualifies you if you like the boys too much yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Tiffany Tiffany Bab uh, who we've mentioned a few times here but a guest on my this year and friend I, I reached out and asked her and she recommended someone who has written their PhD on Garth Ennis. Uh, and said a big portion of their PhD thesis was on the boys. So I don't know if that means that they like it, but they certainly are well versed in it. So I'm I'm very excited we have a, a guest here um, who's an NS expert. Um, so I'm really I'm really looking forward to that. 
Um, I think that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. See you next time.